Welcome to Current Radio's Technology Station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. So Celeste, we've got some big news out of Europe. After months of intense negotiation, European Union lawmakers have finally reached a political agreement on a risk-based framework for regulating artificial intelligence. They're calling it a milestone achievement and even historic. Wow, a historic agreement. That's quite a statement. Do we know any specifics about what this AI law will entail? Well, the final text isn't available yet, but a press release from the European Parliament gives us some insight. The law will completely prohibit the use of AI for certain applications, such as biometric categorization systems based on sensitive characteristics, untargeted scraping of facial images, emotion recognition in the workplace and educational institutions, social scoring, AI systems that manipulate human behavior, and AI used to exploit people's vulnerabilities. That's quite a list. But what about the use of remote biometric identification technology in public places? That's been a contentious issue. Good point. That's not completely banned, but there will be safeguards and narrow exceptions to limit its use, such as the requirement for prior judicial authorization and uses limited to a strictly defined list of crimes. There are also specific rules for real-time and retrospective use of this kind of AI tech. I see. And what about AI systems that are classified as high-risk? High-risk AI systems will have to undergo a mandatory fundamental rights impact assessment. These systems include those used to influence the outcome of elections and voter behavior. Citizens will have the right to launch complaints about AI systems and receive explanations about decisions based on high-risk AI systems that impact their rights. That's interesting. And what about AI systems that aren't considered high-risk? There's a two-tier system of guardrails for these so-called general AI systems. For low-tier AIs, there are transparency requirements, like technical documentation and detailed summaries about the content used for training. High-impact AIs with systemic risk will have more stringent obligations, like conducting model evaluations, assessing and mitigating systemic risks, conducting adversarial testing, reporting to the Commission on Serious Incidents, ensuring cybersecurity, and reporting on their energy efficiency. That sounds comprehensive. What about penalties for non-compliance? Non-compliance could lead to hefty fines, ranging from 35 million euros or 7% of global turnover to 7.5 million or 1.5% of turnover, depending on the infringement and size of the company. The law will be phased in, with different rules kicking in at different times over the next few years. And what's the reaction been like to this agreement? The response has been overwhelmingly positive. The EU's president, Ursula von der Leyen, called it a global first. Spain's Secretary of State for Digital and AI Issues, Carme Artigas, who led the Council's negotiations, hailed it as the biggest milestone in the history of digital information in Europe. The European Parliament's co-rapporteurs, Dragos Tudorac and Brando Benefe, also praised the agreement, saying it ensures a human-centric approach to AI that respects fundamental rights and European values. It sounds like a significant step forward for AI regulation. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out and what impact it has globally. While we're on the topic of technology, let's shift gears from AI regulation over in Europe to an intriguing development closer to home. It involves a startup, some coveted blue bubbles, and a potential tech titan roadblock. Let's dive in. Celeste, have you heard about Beeper's recent outage? Beeper? 
Isn't that the startup that worked around iMessage to bring the coveted blue bubbles to Android users? Exactly, but it seems they've hit a snag. The company reported an outage on Friday, and it looks like Apple might be the culprit. Users have been getting error messages when trying to send texts through the Beeper Mini. Oh, that doesn't sound good. What does the error message say? It reads, failed to look up on server lookup request timed out. Quite ominous, isn't it? Certainly seems so. Did Beeper say anything about the issue? Yes, Beeper CEO Eric Mijakovsky responded to TechCrunch's inquiry about Beeper Mini's status by acknowledging the outage and suggesting that all data indicates Apple might have cut off Beeper Mini's ability to function. Wait, Apple did what now? Are they even allowed to do that? Well, it's a bit complicated. Apple sees iMessage as a key tool for keeping users in its ecosystem, and it's been resistant to launching an iMessage app for Android, so there's a possibility that they could try to shut down Beeper Mini if they could. But isn't Beeper Mini supposed to be more secure? I remember Mijakovsky saying something about that. Indeed, he argued that Beeper Mini was not only beneficial for Android users who wanted to join iMessage group chats, but also increased security for iPhone users. He pointed out that green bubble texts were unencrypted, meaning anyone could read the message, so Beeper Mini was essentially offering a more secure way for iPhone users to text Android users, right? That's correct. Mijakovsky even questioned why Apple would want to kill a service that enables iPhones to send encrypted chats to Android users, especially given their recent support for RCS. He's clearly not happy with the situation. I can imagine. So what's next for Beeper Mini? It's uncertain at this point. Mijakovsky said they'll be evaluating options, We'll just have to wait and see. Well, let's hope for the best. It seems like Beeper Mini was offering a valuable service for both iPhone and Android users. While we're on the topic of tech startups and their innovative tools, let's shift our focus from the world of messaging to the realm of note-taking. As we all know, Google has been making strides in artificial intelligence, and their latest offering is set to change the way we organize our thoughts and ideas. So let's dive into the details of Google's AI note-taking app, Notebook LM, which is now available to all users in the United States. So Celeste, Google's AI note-taking app, Notebook LM, is now available to all users in the United States who are at least 18. It's a big step for the tech giant, isn't it? Absolutely, James. And it's not just the availability that's exciting. The app is also incorporating Google's new large language model, Gemini Pro, to improve document understanding and reasoning. It's a game changer. Right, and it's not just about understanding the documents. The app can generate summaries, suggest follow-up questions, and it's solely focused on the documents it's fed, unlike generic chatbots. Exactly, and Google's not stopping there. They're adding new capabilities to go beyond just summaries and questions. For example, users can now organize their notes into structured writing projects. Need a script outline or a draft of a marketing plan? Notebook LM can help. That sounds incredibly useful. Plus, the app now suggests actions based on what you're doing. So if you're reading a passage, it can summarize it for you or help you understand it better. And if you're writing a note, it can refine your prose or suggest related ideas. That's not all, James. Google is also introducing a new noteboard space for users to pin quotes or their own notes. This was a key request from users who wanted to save their exchanges with Notebook LM. And they've made some other tweaks too. Adding a note now creates a new note instead of adding it to a single notepad. 
and when you click on a citation number, you're taken directly to the original quote in the source. It's all about making the app more user-friendly and efficient. And let's not forget the new features for focusing. Users can now hide the source if they want to concentrate on note-taking. And they can focus the AI on selected sources by chatting with them individually in the source sidebar. Plus, they've added PDF support and copied text support. Google's really pushing the limits here. Notebooks can now include up to 20 sources, and a source can have up to 200,000 words. It's a big leap from when they first demoed the app as Project Tailwind at Google I.O. earlier this year. And let's not forget, as promising as Notebook LM is, Google's experimental projects have a history of ending up in the Google graveyard. So we'll have to see how this one fares. True, Celeste. But for now, it's an exciting development in the world of AI and note-taking. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on how Notebook LM evolves. From advancements in AI and note-taking, let's shift gears to another tech-related topic that's been making headlines recently. This time, we're heading into the realm of space exploration, where a recent report has raised some eyebrows regarding the practices of launch providers. This is a story about accountability, safety, and the need for impartial investigations. Here's a story that caught my eye, Celeste. A recent report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office, or GAO, is taking a hard look at the practice of letting launch providers conduct their own investigations into launch mishaps. Launch mishaps? You mean like when a launch ends in an explosion or some other failure? Exactly. Now, normally, these investigations fall under the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, but the GAO report reveals that in almost every case since 2000, these investigations have been led by the... Wait, the launch operators themselves? That's like asking the fox to guard the henhouse, isn't it? Well, that's one way to look at it. But the FAA has reasons for this. They say that the operators have a deep understanding of the vehicle design and technology, which is critical for root cause investigations. Plus, FAA officials estimate that in-house investigations would take 10 to 20 times I Longer? I see where you're going with this, but doesn't this raise questions about impartiality, James? That's a valid concern, Celeste. The GAO report does point out that some stakeholders are questioning whether launch companies can be impartial or effective when investigating their own mishaps. And what do the launch providers have to say about that? They argue that they maintain independence in their internal investigations. They also point out that market incentives and insurance requirements create a sort of checks and balances system for conducting a thorough and credible investigation. But the GAO isn't entirely convinced, is it? They're calling for the FAA to develop criteria for determining when a mishap investigation should be led by the FAA or the launch provider, right? That's correct, Celeste. They also found that the FAA hasn't evaluated the effectiveness of its operator-reliant mishap investigation process. The GAO is basically saying that without this evaluation, the FAA can't be sure that their safety oversight is achieving its objectives. So what we have here is a call for more transparency and accountability in the industry, it will be interesting to see how the FAA responds to this report. Absolutely, Celeste. This is a critical area and the stakes are high. The industry and indeed the public will be keenly watching how this unfolds.